Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Those sounds are the sounds of celebration. Matt, what are we celebrating today? This is our 50th Epipod. What'd you get me? I got you a coupon for Arby's. <laughs> I'm cheap, so I signed up for all these like free birthday deals with mm-hmm. different places. I did get uh, one from Arby's. It was for a free milkshake with the purchase of a sandwich. That's great. Did you do it? I, I, I failed to cash that baby in. Your wife had plans to take you out to this really nice restaurant. <laughs> you got that coupon, you run out the door. Get in the car. Yeah, 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 we're going to RV. It's just like, but I've got my melting pot clothes on. <laughs> it's her prom dress. What are you wearing a melting uh, pot? Prom dresses, naturally. If anyone out there went to the melting pot for their prom dinner. Yes. Or if you know anyone, please let us know. Yeah, email us or yeah. something. Which we are talking, listeners, about two things that we have loved over our 50 epipods yep. one is arby's mm-hmm. i don't even Love remember it. how that came up what does it matter at yeah. this point point? and the other one is the melting pot. melting pot yeah yep. it came up because it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> obviously started in like the roaring 70s the roaring it's 70s. called the roaring 70s right it's called the swinging 70s, <laughs> the, swinging 70s. Gross. the gross 70s yeah. <laughs> the avocado green 70s <laughs> A lot of fun, a lot of memories, thanks to those who have been on the journey with us from mm, the beginning. Yes. And to all those who have jumped on the bandwagon. Hop aboard. Plenty yeah. of room. We won't hurt the horse. Nope. I'd like to thank all the people that have made this possible. Chang and Ing Bunker. Mm-hmm. The original Siamese twins. Yep. Michael Winslow. Of course, Michael Winslow. Bobby Brown. <laughs> Bobby Brown. Of Bobby course. B. Bobby B. And uh, who else are some of our heroes? Oh, man. Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> Gosh. I mean. Benson Mule Days. Shout out our sponsors. Benson Mule Days. <laughs> and to all of our guests, yes. including, most importantly, our wives. Who allow us to, to do this nonsense <laughs> and put up with it and occasionally listen. Well, let's not push it too far. <laughs> they allow us to do it. They allow us to do it. <laughs> That's true. Matt, for our 50th episode, Mm -hmm. which album are we reviewing? Since it's the big 5-0, we're talking about The Police Synchronicity. Matt, you've got that excited look on your face. Oh, boy. Why is that? It's our 50th episode, first of all, so I'm excited about that. But also, it's another time for another installment of Kenny Gmail. Kenny Gmail is our opportunity to to share real, legitimate email that has come in to us from you, the listener. The Gmail is where it's at, finestworksongs at Gmail. So please send us your questions, your thoughts. We get so much of it. We really want to share it with the listeners on on our episode. So we've got a few uh, Kenny Gmails to share today. This first one, the author, no name, but the, uh, the author is Fitness Tips Day. I'm guessing it's a legit business. But that's not the name? It's not the name. Okay. Um, I had a friend in high school named Fitness Tips. I didn't know if it was the same one. Oh, maybe she got married. I guess. Someone whose last name is Day. Yeah. Um, Fitness Tips Day uh, writes, would you mind if I share your blog with my MySpace group? There's a lot of folks I think would really enjoy your content. Please let me know. Cheers. 
When did we get that? Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a MySpace account? Maybe we need one. I, I mean, I've do. been dismissing it for 17 years now. But it's maybe. coming back. Yeah, it's making yeah. a return. What was before MySpace? Friendster? I believe uh, Carrier Pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace was the first legitimate. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was the first one I took serious. Thanks to our sponsor, MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. One more Kenny Gmail. And this comes from Leah Renard Bubbleo. Thank you, Miss Bubbleo. name. Hi there, colleagues. It's great article regarding teaching and completely explained. Keep it up all the time. Thanks for the encouragement, <laughs> Bubbleo. Bubbleo. Does she have a podcast or a site? www.filmmodu.org. It's probably some sort of motion picture blog or. We might need to message her back because it says that Safari can't open the page. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Maybe we should send her a note tell her we're having Sorry. trouble opening her internets. There you go. All right. Always appreciate the Kenny Gmail that yeah. comes in. The sincerity, the attention to detail. Integrity. Yeah. To all the bubbleos out there, <laughs> we thank you. The insane clown posse has the juggalos. We've got the bubbleos. Those are our fans. <laughs> Wait, that's what their fans are called? They're called juggalos. Why? I have no idea. They have like conventions and stuff. What? Yeah. Are they still a band? I don't Was know. that ever a band? <laughs> it feels sure. like a, a band that the Joker put together in one of the Batman <laughs> movies. Right. All right, as always, we start with our memories. So, Matt, what are your memories of the police synchronicity? So, I was eight years old, and that was when MTV was like hitting its stride. I was there for it, too. Obviously, being eight, I didn't have like the earlier police stuff, you know. Right. I was still jamming to my chipmunk, singing the Beatles album, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. just now, just really getting into music at that point. But what was it that really stood out? Because there's a lot of great music out there at that time. I, th- I think just the accessibility of every breath you take again because it mm-hmm. was you listen to top 40 radio it was on all the time it's a catchy song but it's also not like overtly pop song it just really jumped out at me as as being different than a lot of other stuff that was coming on the radio at that time yeah what about you what's your memory of the police synchronicity in high school i fell for this girl she was the valedictorian mm-hmm I was definitely not in her social circles, mm-hmm. but somehow I convinced her to go to a party with me. You know, we kind of started liking each other. She took me to dinner at her house. Her dad was real straight laced mm-hmm. and he did not like me at all. Here's his valedictorian daughter dating mm-hmm. this slacker. Mm-hmm. Her dad's doing everything he can to break us up and it works. Mm-hmm. She realizes that she can't throw away her future for love. And so, you know, she breaks up with me. And then so what I do is at dawn, I show up at their house. Mm-hmm. I get a boom box. Yep. Sure. Yep. You heard? Okay. I uh, And I'm standing outside. The story's legendary by now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. I'm holding this boom box up. This beautiful love song mm. starts playing. I just turned on the radio because whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was every breath you take. Yeah. It worked. She came outside. We embraced. And her dad was like, did you hear that song? It's a creeper song. He's like threatening you. He's stalking you. You know, and she's like, I know. But it was so romantic, Dad. I mean, he's holding up that boombox for hours. He must be like the king of pain at this point. <laughs> and her dad was like, don't you dishonor our family, and more importantly, the brilliance of Sting <laughs> and the police by referencing one of their songs off their fifth and final album, wow. Synchronicity, wow. in reference to this loser. Wow. And I was like, what is going on? He's like, listen, before I call the police, I'm going to give you the police. <laughs> and he gave me the synchronicity. What a descriptive 
retort back to you from a musically knowledgeable dad. That's what they do to people. Gee, what were you wearing when you were holding up this boombox? I think like trench coat. Yeah, just a trench coat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was his problem. Part of the problem. <laughs> because I'm holding the boombox, it comes untied. It's the wind starts blowing it open. I'm like, ah! You ah. can't drop the boombox. Yeah, oh, what do that's I do? right. I mean, kind of surprised that the dad just wasn't like, you'd be better off dead at this point. <laughs> or, I mean, if you, if you could, if you could like hop into like a hot tub time machine and go back and do it all over again. Was he in maybe, hot tub time machine? Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. You didn't see hot tub time machine? Oh, man, you're missing out. For real though, Matt, as you know, I had older sisters, older mm-hmm. brother. They all were into the police, but particularly my sister, Carrie. She would have been in middle school, high school when Synchronicity came out, but she had loved the police. It was indoctrinated. I remember getting into an argument in second grade with all of my classmates <laughs> because they liked I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett. Sure. I remember having an argument with them saying, that's not rock and roll. The police are there rock and roll. There you go. Yeah. So even back then I was... You were a pretentious yeah. music fan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I knew like the police were everywhere. That's what having older siblings will do. But also like you... The police were everywhere mm-hmm. on MTV and undeniable. This was their last album. Man, what an album to go out on. It's sort of like a TV series that goes on too long. And you're like, oh, you know, they probably should have just stopped after the third season or something like this. With the police, they did. They go out after this. It leaves you wanting more. It leaves you wondering what else they could have done. And they all went on to have brilliant solo careers. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, gosh. <laughs> My sister went and saw the police and R.E.M. opened. Oh, wow. Famously was booed off the stage. She remembers. She's like, I was pretty close and we all booed R.E.M. because nobody knew who they were. I think that that was an example of probably the Copeland connection. Yeah. Stewart's brother and IRS records. Mm -hmm. Murmur had been big, but not big enough. Apparently not. Yeah. In hindsight, I I hear that and I go, man, what a concert to have been at. Yeah. And Joan Jett. Oh, it was R.E.M. Oh, it was, like, it was like your, high, your, your, your school fisticuffs. I went in. I was like, see, she opens for them. <laughs> How can you say you love rock and roll when you don't agree with her? It is kind of funny that I was arguing against a song called I Love Rock and Roll. <laughs> it's extremely rock and roll, that song. Where, where it was like every police song is like a mix of reggae yeah. and like uh, jazz, jazz, world music. <laughs> yeah. like, this is rock and roll, yeah, this man. This is it. Don't you know? All right, Matt, well, let's jump into Synchronicity. It begins with the title track, Synchronicity 1. fully aware that what I'm about to say comes from someone who is a big Rush fan. Mm-hmm. 
but there's a lot of pretentiousness with the police. <laughs> Even with the album cover to this, mm-hmm. each band member, documentary style photos with a different color kind of striped across them. That's right. And you've got Sting sitting there reading like a Carl Jung book. And next to a skull next, or a skeleton. A skeleton, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't say any of this to take away from it because I, I absolutely love Synchronicity, the album. I love this song. There is a little bit of this like, this means a lot and it means like nothing. I think of just rich white frat boys sitting around rocking out to Stuart Copeland. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. is playing at parties, but also they're getting deep talking about the theory of synchronicity and Carl yeah. Jung. <laughs> right. yeah. Who else works the phrase spiritus mundi yeah. into a, a song <laughs> lyric, which I never knew that's what it said. And How many college essays were written on or included synchronicity? Yeah. I'll um, bet there's so there's many in the early time. 80s. If like Dead Poet Society had actually taken place in the 80s, they would have stood up on the desk and quoted synchronicity. Are you familiar with the theory of synchronicity? A tiny bit. I looked up because I don't know what it means. Yeah. Apparently, it's the theory that like something that is seemingly coincidental mm-hmm. is somehow connected. Like a phone call or a star fall. Yeah. They're somehow connected. Carl Jung used it to talk about like paranormal events. Okay. Like to come up sure. with a reason. And so Sting said, is there any meaning in coincidence? That's what I wanted this record to be about. And then he says, I'm not sure if it comes off or not. <laughs> Whatever, Sting. Sting. If that even is your real name. Yeah, did his parents name him Sting, Matt? His mama call him Sting, I'm gonna call him Sting. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently people called him Sting because he wore a sweater that looked like a... A bee? Yes, so by this point, the police have gotten to a level of fame and also hubris (laughs) that would have them write an album like Synchronicity with the themes and the pseudo-intellectualism. But man, it rocks. It does rock. I mean, (laughs) at this point, I think it's still tough to make synthesizers rock. They figured out a way to do it. It's a great album opener. It is a great album opener. Especially for this album. It's really cool. It definitely sets the stage for this album. We get to talk about the theory of synchronicity. That's right. You know, we talk about how pretentious they are, but it's difficult when you look at how quickly they rose to fame. Oh, yeah. I could see where they would get proud. Mm -hmm. You look as good as Sting. Yep. And you're as talented as he is, and then you're in this hit band, and then you're in Dune. Say I mean, no more. You know, did Sting become Sting, or did we make Sting? Ooh, yeah. that's, that's synchronicity. That is synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sting, Gordon Shumner, by now everybody knows him. He's one of those one-name people like Prince and Madonna. Mm-hmm. Over 100 million records he's sold. Countless turtles, I'm sure he saved. Too. Oh my gosh, yeah. So he meets Stuart Copeland in November of 76. And Stuart was playing for a prog rock band called Curved Air. I guess Sting wasn't the only pretentious yeah, one. I guess not. Man. Sting was playing in jazz rock fusion band. Of course. But they was. were awesome. <laughs> Two months later, he moves to London and goes to jam with Stuart Copeland. They have different iterations, move around. They end up in a band with Andy Summers, mm-hmm. who is like 10 years older than yeah. him. Andy Summers today, do you know how old he is? I'm going to say 75? 79. 79. Yeah. That's Andy crazy. Andy had been sort of a studio guy. Mm-hmm. This is when punk was rising up, and you got to think London yep. <laughs> in yep. 1977, 78. Mm-hmm. And so they took more of that approach, but they had this background of jazz rock fusion. And prog rock. <laughs> and prog rock. And so the punk scene didn't really accept them. Yeah. They saw them as outsiders, but they had enough punk to really stand out. And Andy Summers had probably played with like the Glenn Miller Orchestra or something. Yeah. <laughs> so he brought like the yeah. classical <laughs> stylings to it. They had been a band less than a year as the police when they released Roxanne. Good start. Yeah. Three more albums of hits. In a pretty short amount of time. Second album is October 79. 
So we got August 78, October 79. That was the first of four consecutive UK number one albums. Uh, wow. And that's Message in a Bottle and Walking on the Moon. Mm-hmm. A year later, October 1980, Zenyata Mandata mm-hmm. with Don't Stand So Close to Me. Speaking of Creeper songs. Yeah, right. And they're touring the world. Yeah. Definitely hit at the right time because they were sort of riding the wave of punk that became new wave mm-hmm. they can kind of play in either pond yeah as well as jazz rock fusion, yeah sure prog rock big band yeah <laughs> andy summers in the studio is like hey when me and robert johnson were jamming this is what we used to play <laughs> he walks in there he's like what's all this fancy stuff where's the tin can good enough for robert and me yeah so they become essentially the biggest band in the world in a really short amount of time yeah, to do that. and we're talking, their first gig was in August 77. Mm-hmm. Three years later, really, they're the biggest band in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, Andy's like, we got to get a move on. I'm, I'm running out <laughs> of time. This, this clock is ticking. The man. arthritis in my hands is just a <laughs> beast. So tons of hits. They can do whatever they want, and they decide to do synchronicity. So after that, Carl Jung-inspired <laughs> poetry slam. We've got, I think, what was the birth of... Rainforest Cafe. (laughs) Andy, can you make a monkey sound with your guitar? We start off with a Carl Jung inspired mm-hmm. treatise on synchronicity and followed up with a, a atomic bomb warning song correlating us to the plight of the, the dinosaurs. So, yeah. man, it's an uplifting rocker already. I love Hey Mr. Dinosaur. <laughs> 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 you know that blonde hair they have? It's not their normal hair it's, color. It's for a commercial, right? Yeah, for a double mint gum commercial. <laughs> Which was it, Double Mint Gum? Yeah, oh, that's they've great. been a band for like a year, and they're doing a Double Mint Gum. We've got one request. You've got to die. Okay, we'll do it. And it's funny that they never died it back. Right. Everybody comes expecting the Double Mint triplets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if they'd been riding a triplet bicycle? 
<laughs> all in like striped shirts. Yeah. I see like three like hot girls and they wreck the bicycle. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's like a threes company kind of. <laughs> I was not allowed to watch that show. But you know what? I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it's funny what you remember from childhood. Right. I remember being, I don't know, probably five watching Three's Company because I had older siblings. Mm-hmm. I just remember where Jack gets drunk one night and he got a tattoo of a heart on his butt. <laughs> Mr. Roper was laughing and he kept referring to it as the love butt, which is very timely because the love boat was a big Sure. Show. But I remember being five and be like, the love butt and there's a heart on his butt and it's like the love boat. <laughs> The writing on this show is amazing. You're like, yeah. you're, you're applauding. Gosh. Like, Influential. I mean, again, this is not your blueprint for a rock song at all. No. Got these weird world music rhythms and yeah. weird feedback. and Andy does a good job of making those jungle sounds with the mm-hmm. guitar. It's pretty good. Stuart's in the background just tinkering around. Yeah. It just sounds so dumb to me. <laughs> Listen to it with headphones. When Sting is singing Walking in Your Footsteps... In the background, Stuart Copeland is tapping on different parts of the drum, mm-hmm. but they pan it right and left. Left, right. Yeah, like left, you're walking. Right. Walk, walk, tap, tap. It's like, oh my gosh, y'all. <laughs> it's the best you could do. At this point, they were really very reggae and punk influenced. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to kind of get away from that. They did it with <laughs> the walking in, foot, in your footsteps. Yeah. For sure. It reflects the fact that they were very much a studio band at this point, and they were Totally not getting along. Mm-hmm. And so they're recording in different spaces. Sting's in the control room. Stuart's in the living room. And he's in the bathroom because he doesn't have enough depends to keep him going. So he just <laughs> hangs out in the bathroom. But you could see where, you know, you'd get to tinkering and come yeah. up with something like this. You've got time on your hands because they're all in different rooms. Mm-hmm. They're all, I think, mixing individually. Right. You've got plenty of time to listen to remixes and overdubs and think, oh, this this would be a cool part to have what sounds like footsteps yeah. <laughs> walking left, right. And, yeah. But I also think walking in your footsteps gives us a taste of like, in some semblance of what Sting solo stuff is going to end up being. That's true. You know, very world he's music. At the helm. Yep. And, All right. We're going to jump to the end of side one with synchronicity two. <laughs> Has Andy played his guitar yet? I don't think so. <laughs>
First and foremost, like Stuart Copeland is probably one of the few drummers who, if I heard the snare drum, I would think, ah, that must be Stuart Copeland. Yeah. It's such a loud, distinctive snare sound. That's true. Interestingly enough, Hugh, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Pagum or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's the guy who invented the gated reverb sound that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Listeners, you might be like, what's that? It's the 80s drum sound. It's the sound where there's a ton of reverb, so it sounds like this swell of sound and immediately gets cut off. Most famously heard in Phil Collins' In the Air Tonight. They're three and a half minutes into this song, and they haven't had any drums at all. So they're like, not only do we have something really good, (laughs) we're going to make you wait for it. (laughs) I think the other thing about synchronicity too is how dark the lyrics are. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about the story that's being told here. Yeah, what is the story here? Sort of a, a commentary on middle class, fathers going off to work, well, a job that they don't really enjoy. They're not factory workers, so they can bust through the picket line to or get maybe, to their maybe job. he walks unhindered through the picket lines. Maybe that's... He's not standing up for anything. He's, yeah, he's part of the machine. He goes to work. He's not happy. The wife and mother is at home faking her suicides, you know, probably. They describe the dad and all of us as contestants in a suicidal race. Right. Oh, my gosh. You're driving home, packed like lemmings, sees the family in the headlights as he's pulling up, which conjures up this kind of image of like, all right, kids, let's get outside and welcome your dad home from work. But no one's glad to see anybody. They're all miserable. They're all miserable. But then what he sees is a shadow on the door of a cottage on the shore of a dark Scottish lake. So you've got the Loch Ness yeah, Monster. So. It's, again, the synchronicity kind of thing. Uh-huh. It's representing the monster that is the father or this domestic life. and Something beneath the surface. Yeah, it's bubbling up. I'm sure this wasn't the first song to deal with kind of like the mundane, everyday struggles of you know, just kind of getting through the day. Uh, yeah. But man, is it dark. I mean, suicide's in here twice. So I found a quote here. Sting says that Synchronicity 2 is about two parallel events, the Loch Ness Monster mm-hmm. and this man mm-hmm. that aren't connected logically or causally, but symbolically. Ah, That's synchronicity. Thanks, right Professor Sumner. Do you remember the video for this? Oh, yeah. And they're standing on the big giant heap of like guitars and towers. stuff. Of, yeah. It's like Mad Max. Andy's playing this weird guitar with no head to it. Yep. Some stupid early 80s version of a guitar. Right. But he's surrounded by these like broken guitars. Yeah. They're just all wearing like torn shirts. Yeah. They're flapping in the wind. In the early 80s, we believed that in the post-apocalyptic world, <laughs> everybody's clothes gets ripped all the time. But you still have headbands. Somehow. That's right. <laughs> Killer makeup. Oh but yeah, clothes are just shreds. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how it's. Going and we to still be. somehow found um, hair dye to keep our hair yeah. blonde. There's tons of aerosol hairspray available, <laughs> but not shirts, food, or water, or yeah. full clothes. It's the police, but the, he's the front man. That's where part of the tension mm-hmm. arose between him and Stuart Copeland. They were famous for not getting along. Yeah, but I think more it was Andy Summer being like. Boys, boys, settle down. <laughs> I've got to get some Come sleep. sit on my knee and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story. Have a Werther's and calm down. I do uh, love a Werther's. You totally do. I, Just like you love butterscotch ice cream. Oh, man. Butter pecan. Butter pecan, yeah. 
<laughs> Me and Andy would get along you, famously. You great. Yeah, so you've got these two personalities. Stuart started the band. Yeah. In his mind, it's his band. And he's the taller of the three. So tall. Yeah. An incredible drummer. All right. You know, I oh, remember yeah. when I got into Dave Matthews' band in early college, playing mm-hmm. it for my brother, and my brother was aware of it. And I was talking about how good Carter was on the drums. And he said, yeah, when I was in college, that was Stuart Copeland. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the drummer that everyone yeah. talked about the baddest drummer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Stuart knows he's really good. He's got his brother owning the record label. That's right. He's got his father figure, Andy. You got these two competing personalities. It's tough when there are competing personalities and someone is being pushed to the front as a front man. Yeah. It's like no doubt. It's exactly like no yeah, doubt. Yeah, don't speak. Yep. It's the video mm-hmm. that was basically about the police. Well, I'm sure we'll get to no doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah, at least once. One of the singles, you know, they produced different covers for the single. Oh, yeah. And one of them, 75% of them were Sting. Yeah, like if they released 10,000. Yeah. A thousand's Andy, a thousand's Stuart. Stuart, and then 8,000 are Sting. And yeah. seven. to everyone probably on the outside, you're looking back and you're going, well, yeah, obviously Sting was the was the guy. Right. If you're going to hitch your horse to any of those three, it's going to be Sting. Sting went on to have an incredibly successful solo career mm-hmm. while Stuart and Andy... Did not. Did not. <laughs> not quite. Did you know that Queensryche covered this song? Is he even on pitch? I don't think he is. Ew. He's really not He's on. He's not on. I wish he would pronounce his words more clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Enunciate more. Got it. Yeah. Wow. Who is Queensryche? I mean, I I remember a stupid song, but what are they doing? All right. So that closes out side one. Mm -hmm. And side two begins with a song you may have heard.
one of my favorite misheard lyrics of all time when he says, how my poor heart aches. Mm-hmm. And people thought he said, I'm a pool hall ace. <laughs> Who thought that? <laughs> was that a thing? I think it was a thing. Okay. Well, it was a, yeah, all right, I, I'm trying to make it a thing. Right, right. So let me first of all say, that mm-hmm. this still might be my absolute favorite song of all time. Are you serious? Yeah. I know it was definitely from 1983 till 2005, hands down. So 98, somebody comes up and they're like, quick, what's your favorite song ever? You're like, every breath you take. Easy. Easy. And it might Next still question. Be. Yeah. What's your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> Billy Madison. Keep rolling. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do love like when you read like how this song came about. He's sitting in the Caribbean at the desk of Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond. That's right. When he comes up with this song, of course he's going to write dismissive songs about middle class people going to work. Yeah. And, and suicide machines and things like that. I so mean, bougie. I mean, he's like, I'm sitting at the Golden Eye estate yeah. in the Caribbean, leaving my wife for another woman. For her best friend. Her best friend. I'm going to write a song that's going to be one of the biggest songs ever about it. Yeah. So many people think it's like a love song. Dude, this was on every mixtape. Oh, yeah. That I made for girls. <laughs> and I'm talking high school. Yeah, you know, right. it's like 10 years later, but it's like every breath you take, check. <laughs> I had my standards, and this was a standard for the mixtape. What, what else was what else is on there? Definitely in your eyes. Oh, the yeah. live version. Yeah. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. More than words. Oh, extreme. boy. That would have gone on yeah. a mixtape. The butt. Close with that. Man, mixtapes were everything. Gosh. Kids today. Missing out. Don't understand the nah. power of a mixtape. And the message of a mixtape. Oh, man. man. You give somebody a mixtape, that's like a... That's like a... Betrothal. <laughs> it's like giving somebody a goat in the 17th century. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> we are doing this. You're locked in now. No going back. But yeah, man, this song... I knew the lyrics. I knew it was a little creepy, mm-hmm. but still, I, mean, yeah. I think it's kind of a love song. The video was huge. I mean, it's just a black and white video i mean yep. not pretty simple but and with this video you can see i mean they show stuart copeland they show andy summers but like sting is it close-ups of his face this is the one apparently that they got in a huge fight over came to blows the song or the video the song okay stuart copeland wanted to play more surprise <laughs> and sting was insisting on just the simple beat mm-hmm. that's in there Sting was right. Yeah. If Stewart had played more, they would have busied up the song. So essentially, every other police song has some Stuart Copeland fill in it. Yeah, know, and the little... With the symbol. Yeah, with yeah. the symbol. Yeah. And he's incredible, yeah. but that's hard probably at this point. Because what you're saying to Stuart is, I'm Sting, this is my song. Yeah. And that's less of we're in a band. That's yeah. you do what I say. Yeah. And Stuart wasn't having it. So they fought. I wonder who would have won that fight. I feel like Stuart would be wild... Quick He'd come punches. out of the gate like yeah. like a bull. Sting would be wily and He'd smart. He'd be well-disciplined. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he knows like jujitsu, even though he's never studied it. Because <laughs> he's read so many books by Carl Jung. <laughs> and he's, he's read The Art of War like 600 times. Yeah. He's memorized In the it. original language. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, Andy Summers had no problem playing less. Yeah. Because he was always playing less right. growing up. Guitar magazines. Probably once a year, every other year, mm-hmm. Andy Summers would come up on the cover. Right. And it was always about how underrated he was. Yeah. Because he played very unique chords. Mm-hmm. He's the only guitarist they could have had. The bass and the drums are really so busy and driving yeah. everything. You couldn't have Andy just wailing away. Mm-hmm. He is underrated. He yeah. came up with this guitar part and apparently went in there, one take, just laid it down. And it's a hard guitar part. 
like sweet child of mine. It's one of those opening riffs that everybody knows. Yeah. But like even like the best guitarists have trouble kind of mastering and it. making it sound just like he did. Right. So plus he was also worried if he if he got in the middle of a fight between the, the three of them, his blood pressure would probably get too high. And <laughs> I wonder if Andy came in when they were fighting and grabbed him each by the ear. <laughs> he hit him with his cane to separate them. We love talking about kind of 1983, oh, yeah. 1984. So we're, we're at the Grammy Awards. Okay. Who do you think was hosting? 1983? Yep. Hosting it? Yep. Dionne Warwick? I don't know. That's a good guess. I'll give you three hints. Okay. One, country. Okay. Two, Rhodes. Three, take me home. John Denver hosting. The, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, John what, what, Denver. What, was Kermit the co-host? <laughs> It's a song of the year. Mm-hmm. They're up against Lionel Richie all night long. Michael Jackson beat it. Wow. Michael Jackson, Billie Jean, <laughs> and then these two people who wrote Maniac. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How's Maniac up for song of the year? I'm going to play the video of this being announced okay. by Stevie Wonder and Bob Dylan. Nice. And the winner is, you know what? Hold on. Let's, let's, let's just figure out that stuff. <laughs> Stevie's ripping you know up what? the thing. Every year, the same old thing happens, right? You say, and the winner is, but this time, we're going to do something different and unique and special. Okay? In the 80s. This is the 80s, right? So, what we're going to do is we're going to get you all here to decide. (laughs) Bob Dylan looks so uncomfortable. Is it? Song number one, number two, number three, four, or five. You all say, which one is it? Oh. Oh, I Bob Dylan's wearing like a Western get up. got to do it the old-fashioned way. Let me look at that. Let me see that. <laughs> Stevie says, let me see that. Let me see that. Even he's making blind jokes about himself in the 80s. <laughs> Bob Dylan, he's wearing some kind of Western get up. And what I mean by that, you should like look Like rhinestone cowboy kind no, of No, like the... A bolo tie? No, not even the bolo tie. It was kind of the tie that had like the, the strips coming oh, off. Oh, yeah. You know, like the... Like he's in the band or something. Well, he wasn't. I band. guess, Yeah. <laughs> But Bob is not smiling the whole time. Stevie's having the time of his life oh, just doing his Making blind bit. jokes. It's amazing. And then at the end, Sting's not even there. They say in 2003, Sting was making an average of $2,000 per day in royalties for that song only. Jeez. All of his Royalty income is from that song. A quarter of that is from this wow. song. It's number 84 on Rolling Stone's top 500 songs of all time. But it could have been better, according to... Stuart Copeland. Yeah, Stuart's like, huh? I'm glad you like it. It's kind of funny, his comment, because it's more of an indictment on like them than the song. What did he say? My humble opinion, this is Sting's best song with the worst arrangement. Wow. I think Sting could have had any other group do the song, and it would have been better than our version, except for Andy's brilliant guitar part. Basically, there's an utter lack of groove. It's a totally wasted opportunity for our band, even though we made gazillions off of it, and it's the biggest hit we ever had. Andy's part's brilliant. There are three parts of this band. Yeah. Andy hit it out of the park. No, but even that, he sings how Sting played it. Well, that's true. And yeah. the crap that he made me play. Yeah. Andy was great. Andy was great. But everything else. Everything else was direct. That's ridiculous, man. He needs to <laughs> let that go. As good as this song is, it definitely starts giving you an idea of the direction Sting is going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The minstrel stuff, you know, with all the <laughs> yeah, right. and stuff. The number one soundtrack to Renaissance fairs across the world. <laughs> So he starts to go that soft route. Yeah. Because, man, early years, this is police early years. Yeah. 
Mustangs having none of this. <laughs> I didn't realize how much guitar Andy used to play. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he was younger. Yeah. He could do it then. <laughs> <laughs> Lyrically, he paints a very vivid picture. Thinking about a black spot on the sun, you're yeah. seeing a black cat in the tree. I mean, it's Loch Ness monsters. It's it's all this stuff that you can see really well. Not only does he write that way, he actually talks <laughs> that way. Because this is Sting <laughs> describing this song. He said, I just left my first wife. And I went to Jamaica to try and pull did. myself together. Oh, poor guy. I was looking at the sun one day. I was with Trudy, who is now my current wife, and said, look, there's a little black spot on the sun today, and there's a pause. I said, that's my soul up there. I was full of hyperbole. I said that. I went back in and wrote it down on a piece of stuff and wrote some other stuff. <laughs> All a direct quote. This is not like a bright, uplifting album. It's, it's pretty dark. It's a dark album. It's not your prototypical hip pop album by any stretch but they were huge enough to be beloved by people who love college rock and indie stuff or still can't deny some of the police work yep every pop listener is going to go buy it for every breath you take it's just weird enough to be critically acclaimed right because it's you know full of hyperbole and yeah. literary and psychological <laughs> and sociological references and archaeological references the uppity music critics yeah we're going to eat phew, this up. In their wheelhouse. All right. So, heralded album. Huge commercially. Created amidst tension mm-hmm. and also showed the direction in which Sting was headed. Mm-hmm. He broke up the band at Shea Stadium when they played there famously like the Beatles did to 70,000 people. They went out on top. Yeah. Which there's something to be said for it. In some ways, it's similar to like Creedence Clearwater Revival in that in 
just a short amount of time yeah. produced an amazing body of work really with one guy kind of as the focal point and then tension breaks it up and you're done. So listeners, one thing we try and challenge one another with is if you had to remove a song from an album, which would it be? And so Matt Sting has his loot Ooh. and he's going to stand outside your window like Lloyd Dobler mm-hmm. and say anything. Instead of holding a boombox, he's, he's going to play his lute if you don't pick a song to remove from Synchronicity. So if you had to, which one would it be? It's worth noting that this, our 50th Epipod, this is the easiest one I've had to do. You know it. <laughs> yep. It's, I mean... This is the easiest is this, a, is this a novelty song? Yeah. And in track four position. Right. Like a key position. Like you look at track four. <laughs> you look at you look it. at track four like across album history. It's a key spot. It's a key spot. <laughs> you would think every breath you take would be there. Did Andy Summers win a bet or did he lose a bet? Right. <laughs> For them to include this song on it. 20, 30 years ago, I kind of like enjoyed it for how like ridiculous it, it is, Ugh, you know, yeah. for like, oh man, he really, he really does not like his mother. This yeah. is a, but man, is that an awful song? <laughs> no, no wonder Stuart Copeland was ticked off. Cause he's like, I could have done a drum solo for eight minutes. Yeah. That would have been way better. Right. It would have been better. <laughs> There's no argument from me. And that just goes to show like even Miss Gredenko, yeah, which is Stuart Copeland's song. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's but catchy. Let's Sting write the songs. Just right. get out of the way. Yeah. You've got Sting in your band. Yeah. Let him write King of Pain yeah. and play what he tells you to play. Right. Throw your punches. <laughs> just get out of the way. Make your money. Cash a check. And just, just wait for him to call you for a reunion tour. <laughs> right. Because I don't care how much you hate him. You say yes every time, guys. <laughs> Stuart, looking at you. Yep. All right. For Epipod number 50. We did the police. We're excited because you know coming up in the next in an upcoming episode, we're gonna have a special guest. Oh, who's that? Andy Summers. Oh, I might need to re-edit this one. <laughs> yeah, that's <ooh. laughs> right Thank you all. So much for listening to Finest Work Songs and uh, engaging with us on social media at Finest Work Songs on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well. And uh, be sure to keep those emails coming, finestworksongs at gmail. Who knows? Maybe we'll play yours as part of an upcoming Kenny Gmail segment. So next time, we want to leave this loveliness in your ears. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.